fun the next two weeks because there's a bunch of shows coming, so everybody's gonna be in town. Yeah. Um, like we have another. <laughs> no, like guys like you. Yeah. In uh, fact, I don't even know who you are, man. <laughs> so you know. Oh, that's a that's a good story. Well, good truth intro. truth be told, I thought it was distillers Phil that we know from our predecessor, you know, from our previous. Oh. So I got here what in a heartbeat. Else? The confusion. Yeah, I was just, when you said Phil's gonna be here, I'm like. What? Well, I jumped in the shower. I didn't even shave. I was just like, I'm excited because I, I haven't get, gotten to and, see him. And that's why we're in a, pro- a professional you know? um, podcast and for all the audience out there. But it's this film. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to another show of Keen Lake. <laughs> As you can start there, we're already starting off some confusion, but now we see each other's faces and we'll make it all work out. This is not the film that I fell in love with. Well, you, know, you can follow This is a new one. Phil that I actually like because he's already fed me at least three pours of scotch. So and he's a fun accent that. for you, too. And he's got a great accent. <laughs> there you Phil, go. Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, step on up here. to that mic. Yeah, yeah. thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, play with it. You know, I mean, well, you know, my, it, whatever. Yeah. My first life, I was an audio engineer. Really? Oh, Were you really? audio engineer. Yeah. Oh. That was kind of my first Is that what you said? We need one. Sorry? We need one. I don't think I can remember I'd do anything. I think it's the technology's moved on. I was like, well, I would have been 18. I'm 33 now, so... Like 15 years ago, technology's just moved on oh, yeah. incredibly. It's like, you know, you can just kind of compress it down to something it, like this. Is that what you studied in university or? Yeah, I was in college. Yeah, yeah. So okay. kind of, I don't think I ever really wanted to do that. Do you know, I was kind of just like there, just kind of, you know what I mean? It's kind of having a bit of fun, enjoying life a bit. But um, I think that's what we all did at that Sounds time. like yeah. Americans going to like college. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I'm still convinced that like, young people at that age, at like 16, 17, 18 years old, they haven't got a clue what they want to do. No, for the rest of life. absolutely not. Yeah, they haven't figured out who they are and stuff like that. So, it's true. Actually, it's a very, it's a very good point because I, I just had breakfast with my son yesterday, and um, we had breakfast every every Saturday together. Mm-hmm. And you know, he just didn't seem himself. I'm like, "You all right?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm fine." And his, you know, his mom kind of just in Spanish tells me he's nervous because. A lot of kids around him pretty much have an idea of where they want to go to college, mm-hmm. yeah. have an idea of what interests they may be wanting to study. And Willie being who he is, you know, he's just, I'm just kind of like taking this day by day, you know, yeah. um, drastic, you know, improvement academically since, you know, he left the Chicago public school systems um, and he went to the uh, Oak Park River Forest School System. Shout out to Oak Park. Yeah, he's cute. The advertising income coming in. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, he just, he sees all this positivity around him. And he, I know he wants to be a part of it. I just don't think he knows how to be. Yeah. Except just to be himself. And he's well liked. You know, he's got one of the most important things you can do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, you just keep doing what you're doing. You know, you'll figure it out. I mean, how many kids go to college and they're undecided majors or whatnot? You know what I'm saying? I'm really putting my journalism degree to good use. Well, you are now. Oh, yeah, I guess exactly. now. Yeah, te- technically. Yeah, technically. Yeah, yeah right. That is true. I think it's true all over the world, especially in kind of Western society. It's kind of, you know, I think there's there's inherent pressure on kids to kind of like make a decision yeah. and do something. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, when you're 18, yeah. figure well, out what you're going to do the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, this yeah. is it, man. This is it. I didn't, didn't have a clue. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have a clue. Well, I mean, there's additional pressures because if, if you have a set of parents or you have family who have gone the route of education, higher yeah, education yeah, after yeah. the fact, mm. you know, culturally it becomes a lot more pressure than just yeah. trying to make it through high school. Like, for instance, being of the Hispanic culture, there aren't very many of us that break that cycle of being the first one to go yeah. to college. You yeah. know, Willie will be the first. If he if he decides to go that route and he finishes his four-year studies, mm-hmm. he will literally be the first in the family to do that. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's great. however many generations of But seeing that, like, if he doesn't want to do it. You know, no, no, it's just he's just feel, not. He's it's, kind of... I'm not forcing yeah. him that you got to do this, you got to do this. Right now, yeah. he's just still trying to adapt to life. How old, how old is he? He's 16. 16, yeah. So he's junior, at that point. Right? Yeah. yeah, he's a junior. So it's like, 
he's nervous, he's scared. Yeah, yeah. You know, he doesn't even want to get his license because yeah. he's just like. That's a lot of Chicago kids, though. Yeah, he's like, I don't really want it. You know. So what did you do before whiskey? Then what was your? Are you, you always I was in whiskey? Tech. Or yeah, in tech? no, okay. I was in tech sales. Yeah. Okay, cool. He can sell anything. Yeah. Yeah. Sell anything. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> He's just selling the right thing now. I'm just selling the right thing now. Yeah. But you prefer this lifestyle wise oh, and yeah. like work wise? Uh, absolutely. I'm answering yeah. for him. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I really do. In my previous life, you know, actually, I've done a lot of different things because I don't have uh, a proper edu- you know, proper four year education. I mean, I did try to do that, but it didn't work out for me. So I just started working. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I just, I just worked any job that was available to me. Okay. If I qualified yeah. for it, I accepted it. I didn't care what it was. Mm-hmm. I found that it was always in sales and then I figured out, I'm like, well, you don't really need an education to do that. Nope. Um, you just got to be able to know what you're selling and believe in it and be able to do so. And then, make money off of it. Yeah. So that has taken me the path, but I've been able to represent some wonderful global brands in a, in a process, but was able to also get to a point where I'm like, yeah, I'm tired of this. Yeah. I'm not really having any more fun. So I took a six month sabbatical mm-hmm. and I did a, I, I did a little bit of travel, um, just back to some Miami and back some soul searching. I guess that's more okay. to the <laughs> travels that I'm in. Yeah. And then, you know, you end up with, you know, I'm like, you know what? I like to drink for the right reasons. Responsibly. Thank you. Well said. Thank you, Phil. Supported by Beams and Torque. Yeah. Responsibly. (laughs) (laughs) This message to you is brought to you by the girl on the couch over in our living (laughs) room. The girl on the couch. Sponsored by the girl on the couch. You guys talking about you and like a pen. Yeah. Sweet. And the top of the tower here. So, yeah. So, whiskey was the first thing that came to mind. And I happened to apply to the place where Jake was already working at. We became really quick friends and yeah. we started working really well together. He brought me a Danish or something like that that was oh, your second day. It was a strawberry scone. Scone, okay. Strawberry almond scone. I'm not, from, scone. I'm not the pastry. From, from the from the grind. Shout out to the oh, grind. Nice. Yeah, Tara over there on Lincoln Avenue, Lincoln Square. Check, check them out. They do a lot of homemade stuff. Anyways, but back to what we're here for. <laughs> well, no, it's a great actual uh, segue you know. because <laughs> Phil and I met through Cobalt. Yeah, um, through oh, Cobalt. okay. Yeah, yeah, so that's how the whole, like, our friendship relationship yeah. whatever you want to call it um began and so kind of it's a nice little trio here the way it all works out yeah, you were at cool. cobalt all the time as well yeah. um you probably remember me selling a bunch of barrels over to scotland a uh, lot of barrels yeah. we sold a so lot of we didn't buy a lot we bought some yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was we, that guy gotcha <laughs> so you're that the guy that, that was that i'm Phil. the guy yeah, so yeah. we uh, yeah we just um, sold some barrels. Mm-hmm. I sold all of our used barrels at cobalt um sometimes and mm-hmm. then uh just kind of kept uh you know, writing back to each other and came to Chicago, what, maybe 15 months ago or so? Yeah, spring yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's up. amazing. Yeah, had some drinks and still cool. uh, here yeah. we are, yeah. Yeah, it's good. We really kind of, the casks have been well used. We're certainly looking after them, but we, we still have a lot there to kind of work through. So we started filling, like, we bought uh, a load of ex-organic bodega butts from Bodegas Robles in Montilla, mm-hmm. and they just make incredible wine. Like, his... Um, you know, small family business, and they're really kind of driven by kind of heritage, but also kind of understand that Montilla wine and sherry wine, it's like the industry's changing massively. And he's adopting that, he's looking at the changes, and he's like doing things like some vermouths and stuff like that as well. Yeah. So he's like kind of really kind of doing some great stuff. But we bought some bots from them that were like, you know, the oldest wood was from the mid 20s, and the youngest wood was from the 60s. So like well seasoned mm. Solera bots that they just don't sell anymore, these things. So we had like. Like 20 old casks, which was super expensive, but for me, it's worth it. You know, I was mm-hmm. looking for kind of old American white oak Solera butts, something we really wanted. Got cool. Cobalt Castle Great as well. Yeah. yeah. 
but we've uh, was it mostly bourbon and rye cast bourbon and rye yeah so we um well, I mean, we did some good stuff with the rye so we did um we've got some ex cromity brewery uh double rocker which is a double dry hopped rye beer that they do oh, wow. and so we put that into the coval cast and we took them back and we filled them and it's just like utterly incredible we're talking about ipa cast or, yep. or like kind of hoppy style so yeah yeah this this beer is amazing like, uh, the beer is amazing and the spirit's tasting great so our spirit's quite fruity kind of waxy and it works quite well with mm-hmm. with that sort of style that, that. Yeah, yeah for, sure, for well, sure yeah tell everybody about um the company you started yeah give us give us the name out there yeah yeah, yeah. so we should the companies yeah. i'm phil thompson there and we i'm go. from uh, dornick distillery and uh, we run a small bottle company as well which is under Thompson Brothers which is me and my brother so we started the company um, so we start, founded the distillery in 20 what year are we in now? 20, 2019 I think it was 2015 <laughs> something like that it seems like a long time ago anyway we're going to have our first single malt next summer it's in three years at Inwood nice. as of next July and wow. so it's something like the 4th or 5th of July or something like that so we're nice. going to we're going to certainly release something then um, so yeah we started it we're fully crowdfunded non-equity based crowdfunding so essentially offering out casks okay. mm-hmm. so we're just kind of in a second round at the moment we just bought a new site um, so when we started it, our philosophy was like, we always wanted to start a distillery. So we were in, we were in hospitality for a long time. Mm. Family at a hotel, started a whiskey bar. It got, it's pretty, very well regarded as one of the best whiskey bars probably in Europe. Um, and it's kind of pretty well recognized all over the world for just like high quality, lots of old bottles. So mm-hmm. our, I know the journeyman guys highly recommend it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, our, um, our thing's always like old bottles and we're always inspired by old distillates, old single malt distillates mm-hmm. from okay. the past. So like not necessarily stuff like this from the 90s, but certainly like mm-hmm. the Lockside we tasted a minute ago, yeah. that kind of old fruity style. So nice. me and my brother talked about it for a long time, like what are we going to do? We're going to start a distillery. And we kind of just sat there and we're like, right, well, let's try crowdfunding it mm-hmm. and see what happens. And it just kicked off. Like, and we raised a lot of money we put in uh, we sold our own house so we sold a house put the money in from that and kind of my philosophy what it was or our philosophy was that if we're going to ask somebody for money for yeah. something it might only be two thousand pounds or a thousand pounds from them but then like we need to kind of show like we are all in on this like this mm-hmm. is my yeah. house i'm putting into this i, I believe you. that uh, that much in the project so we have an old fire station which is part of the hotel grounds and yeah. it's basically it's a 19th century fire station in the back of this castle in yeah. Scotland so it's like that's cool yeah it's really really sweet little spot it's tiny like I mean the ground floor is probably the size of this room and then there's a first floor above but it's about a third of this so I don't wow it's, yeah it's tiny man so um, we did that <laughs> we sourced a lot of the stuff ourselves we sourced a lot of the equipment we got like our mash tun from China we customised it for what we're looking for mm-hmm. um, paid a lot less than we would if we bought it from Europe mm. um, yeah. we went off the shelf for their stills so we ended up with the Hoga stills um, so we tried to save them as much money as possible and then our philosophy was instead of focusing on like having expensive equipment and stuff like that it's focused on the ingredients okay. so we only run from we only use floor malted organic heritage varieties of barley. So at the moment we're using a mix of plumage archer and Maris Otter, which are older malting varieties of barley. So they have like a higher protein content compared to modern varieties, yep. which obviously you, you kind of sacrifice the protein for starch and so on. So these older varieties have been kept alive by old English breweries who recognize the flavor differences mm-hmm. in them. And it's done at a floor maltster called Warminster. So they make, for me, what we're doing is we're looking to put as many precursors as possible for gotcha. flavor creation during uh, the whole process. Yeah. So kind of the malt's obviously one of the most important parts of it. Yep. The yeast, fermentation, we run some really long fermentation times. So we're seven to 10 days. It's kind of our standard, mm. which is like pretty long for it's the Scotch whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. So we use, at the moment, we're using uh, liquid spent brewer's yeast. So again, shout out the guys at Cromarty Brewery. We're working with them. We're taking uh, liquid brewer's yeast from them. And we're doing things like repitching and stuff, which is kind of like... 
as, as you imagine. So we just kind of repitch on mm. top of the, gotcha. the, the yeast cake at the bottom. Um, and we're making some pretty good fruity spirit. Yeah. We're really happy with it. So like that's kind of our goal is to make lush kind of tropical fruity spirit with a yeah. bit of body and kind of waxiness. So yeah, that's that's kind of what we do. Um, I mean, our place is tiny. It's fully hands-on. So this, at the moment, we've just employed another guy. But there's three... Three of us full time, one of us part time. Okay. Um, and now there's four of us full time, one still one part time. Um, so yeah, it's pretty intense. That's it's pretty cool. intense. I mean, it, it's still cool though. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's um, like hearing your story. It's very comparable to the Blom Brothers, um, mm-hmm. out in Galena. Uh, just kind of like sitting down one day and like enjoyed whiskey, doing different parts of their lives, and all of a sudden it's like let's start a distillery, but let's yeah. do it right too, and get it. And they did, took a different approach in a way of sourcing out the grains and starting to make mm-hmm. their own whiskey, but uh, for some of the juice, I should say, and now, you know, fully selling everything that they produce. But mm-hmm. um, what was that conversation like with your brother initially? Well, you know, we, my brother and I work in kind of quite different ways. So I'm kind of more sort of business-minded and he's kind of more technical-minded. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to production, you know, he will, he's kind of got this, yeah, I mean, you won't mind me saying this, but he's kind of, kind of obsessive mind. Mm. So you'll like learn everything there is to learn about one particular thing and then you move on to something else and you kind of like... It's good for distilling. It's very good for distilling, <laughs> yeah. So he's, um, you know, he gets really analytical about everything um, and looks into it. He loves, obviously, these, like our inspiration for production is like 60s Laphroaig, 60s Bowmore, yeah. 70s Brora, old Springbank. So basically yeah. stuff that has a real fruity character but also has kind of um, nice minerality, which is something yeah. I think missing a lot in, in modern single malt whiskies. Um, so like we got to taste a lot of these old bottles. And part of the reason we started distillery is just like, they're so fucking expensive. Yeah. Stuff I really want to drink is super expensive. <clears throat> so yeah, that's kind of where the conversation came from. But we, cause we were in the hotel for years. We we're a family business. Mm. We had the hotel and the bar and stuff like that. And the idea was always like, oh, sell the hotel and we're going to go and start a distillery once we finish this chapter of our life. Mm. And this kind of wasn't really happening, you know, it was kind of the sale wasn't really happening. Um, so we're kind of like, you know, business is good. So we just kind of, transferred away from the hotel and started doing this but mm. kind of within the boundaries of the hotel as well so we had that kind of safety I don't, not a safety net but you know because we're pretty self-sufficient but yeah. it was kind of there you know it was mm-hmm. supporting the business as much as we are provides Wi-Fi you know that sort of stuff because <laughs> <laughs> um, your parents run the hotel right yeah so they own the hotel and um, we got two good guys who are kind of managing on a day-to-day basis my parents are like in their 60s now so they're kind of taking it easy yeah although my dad has that kind of same personality as me where he's kind of I don't think you'll ever retire. Mm-hmm. You always have a project always, on the yeah. go yeah. and always have something happening. That's cool. So uh, they're actually in Spain at the moment. So they're just like oh, cruising nice. around Rioja, enjoying life for a month. Good so yeah, it's good on them. They totally deserve it for sure. Um, and my brother's running the, holding the distilleries together, hopefully. Yeah, I was going to say, why don't <laughs> you make the trip over the States? Yeah, well, he's got a tiny, tiny daughter. So it's like, oh, he does. Yeah, okay. yeah. So yes. he kind of doesn't really travel. He went to Japan with us this year. Mm. Um, in February, which is his first trip out to Japan. He loved it. So hopefully he's going to come back. Great. Next February as well, when we go out again, which is pretty cool. So, so. you met just to, to clarify my mind, mm-hmm. you mentioned that the actual distillery is on the same grounds as the hotel yeah. or, the, or the family home that you. No, 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 okay. no. Yeah, we get this a lot. So, like a lot of people, like, is this your family castle? It's like, yeah, it's a yeah, castle. Like, yeah, like, no, <laughs> man, we're not that type of people. Like, <laughs> one of the first guys I actually emailed after we got engaged because I wanted to elope to Scotland and, get, to, and oh, get married at okay. their place because yeah. it's like, well, you know, here's the coolest place in the world you can get married at yeah whiskey bar yeah exactly whiskey bar but someone put a put a Go? The girl on the couch. She's no longer. She's in the chair in the desk. Now is the girl on the chair. She's at the desk in the next room over, <laughs> just critiquing me in her head. Oh, she's rolling over this way now. By the way, we're not recording at Beguile today. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> you, did you guys ever work in hospitality? Or you, um, I was in all? event planning for okay, a while, yeah. so in, in a sense, like, it, you know, kind of in a way of taking care of people, but okay. not. You weren't at the cool face then. No, you know, no, no yeah. So no, uh, we we did. Oh, I was in hospitality for years. Yeah, uh, I was kind of like, I did enjoy it. I do enjoy it every now and again. I'm like in a bar and I'm in a restaurant. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a great setup. I could really get some inspiration here. Yeah. But I told like the girl who works with us, Valerie. I was like, <laughs> listen, if we ever get to the point where we're like you know, getting pretty big, we start a visitor center, I say, look, let's do a food operation or let's, you know, mm-hmm. like anything like that. It's just like, shoot me down. It's like, I yeah. don't want to be involved in it. I don't want to be hiring chefs. Like, you. you know, I don't want to deal with that, yeah. like other people's problems. It's, you know, we've got a good set of people who work for us. So it's kind of like, they want to be there. Yeah. And that's the key is getting people who really want to be there. That's tough. It's tough because it's really tough. you're it's seeing tough where the, we are as well, man. Like we're in the I'm north sure, of Scotland. Yeah. You know? exactly. Way up there. Yeah. And so many breweries and distilleries today are now opening their places as, um, a restaurant event center, not necessarily as the brewery and the distillery as the first exactly. as a first thing. That's happening a lot in Scotland as well. So yeah. you know that a lot of the focus now is not just on starting a single malt distillery, mm-hmm. but it's like what's your visitor center operation exactly, do? what you're going to serve and so on. So um, it's such a huge industry now in Scotland, mm-hmm. and you can see it with the investment that everybody's putting in. You know, Diageo are starting a Johnny Walker right. Center in Edinburgh City Center. They're in, uh, investing in Cardew, obviously Port Ellen and Brora. New visitor center at Clyne Leash. So, like they are recognizing that people are coming. Oh, for yeah. sure for whiskey and even if they aren't just coming specifically for whiskey they're probably going to you know go to a distillery when you're in Scotland you know? yeah, that's, right. that's I mean, what people do Bardstown is the biggest example of it right now just happened yeah. last week when they opened their uh, new tasting room in Bar it's like that's an amazing yeah. place to go visit um, and obviously they're making good juice too which is great which, <laughs> but it's also it, it's a big risk too because I mean when, maybe not for something not someone maybe of that st- or that size or like the Beams or the, mm-hmm. the Russells and so on and so forth but it's do you find Phil, and, and you, you know, you already have the hospitality background. You already have the, the business mindset. Yeah. Audio engineering. Audio as well. engineering as well. <laughs> so you've got a hotel. You've got a. You've got the distillery. You've got a whiskey bar. Yeah. Um, are you just taking taking it a phase by phase? into developing what ultimately will become a destination? Yeah, well, the bar, we have a destination bar. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. So, we, so you already have the bar. We already have the bar as a destination. The problem that That's we have at the moment okay. is, like I was saying about the size of the distillery, is like the distillery is purely production-focused. Like, we will take people around who are, like, crowdfunders and stuff like that. Yeah. We'll take time for people who are, like, you know, like you guys, if you said, look, I want to come. And we, we mm-hmm. never charge you or anything like that, but we take some time for you. But the problem mm-hmm. is we're, like, on the street. So we, like, Dornick's a busy little tourist town. It's, like, yeah. one of the best golf courses in the world and stuff. So it's, like, that's not my vibe, but, like, I get it. A lot yeah. of people like it. But it um, brings a lot of money, brings a lot of tourism into the town. Yeah. And we get a lot of people who, like, lit, if we don't put the chain up at the front door, like, people are walking in, <laughs> like, just walking straight into the distillery yeah. and you're just, like, spraying Start taking water shit, yeah. on the ground and stuff. <laughs> like so it's really difficult because, um, like, my background being hospitality is like you want to be like oh yeah you know you Come want in, to yeah. kind of support you don't want to say no yeah. you don't want yeah. to say no but you're getting guys kind of walking in and I've kind of reached the point of being like can you see the massive sign that's at the door there you know yeah. it's like I want you to be here I want to take time we actually wrote a, a sign on the front door that said look we'd love to talk to you we'd love to take some time yeah. but if we're busy like do acknowledge that we're busy we'll kind of just let us fucking yeah. get on with it um, respect the fact yeah we'll, we'll get to you we'll get we'll to you we'll take care of you but we are in just such a tight little small production facility and you know it's expensive like the barley we're buying is super expensive um so production is production costs are super high we obviously make the gin and we make uh, yeah. we, single cast whiskey so we bottle single cast under the thompson brothers this is something we should have done like 10 years ago like, <laughs> like when casks yeah. were cheap yeah right yeah so um yeah, what, what do you usually pay for casks over like well you're sourcing from all over the place i guess so it's hard yeah, to determine depends on what you're buying. Is there a down. i mean dude like if you want to buy like young spirits kind of cheap that's mm-hmm. kind of, like, the goal for, well not for the goal but if i could involve have that as part of the business where we were buying you know 
say, fresh spirit through to like three or four year old whiskey, yeah. and then like maturing it ourselves for like five, six, seven, eight years in different woods, they're selling it on. That to me would be a great part of our business, mm-hmm. and that's how you make, in my opinion, you'd make decent money on like single casts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and also gives you control of the stock, so you can kind of taste it and really decide what you want to do. But we're kind of like, I suppose we're living kind of hand to mouth with the whole thing. Yeah. So like between the gin sales and single cast sales, it's kind of you know supporting the single malt. You know, it's really it's quite a difficult situation for us because mm. you know such the leading times three years you know and it's not a cheap thing to do and the licenses are expensive <laughs> you know the scotch whiskey association is set up for the big boys it's not you know so like we'll we'll pay the same in our sort of license fee for yeah. a scotch whiskey verification as like a like rose isle or something like that you know so it's <laughs> like utterly crazy you know well, four years gonna get into that like you versus not versus but just comparing yourself to the bigger companies that have been established for hundreds of years mm. four years ago what was the craft scene scotch like I mean, here the, in America four years ago, we were right in the boom. And yeah, yeah. so I think it's probably, it's lagging quite a bit behind you guys. Yeah. So, um, but there's a lot of guys who are producing single malt in Scotland. I don't want to slag any of them off because I think there's a lot of people doing great things. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that have hidden investment, so it like kind of seems like they're a tiny little craft operation, yeah. like a two-man op and stuff, but it's actually... There's a few around here like that. Big <laughs> sure. back in, you know, so there's like one of the... One in Scotland that's kind of conveys itself as like a you know uh, a community project and stuff, but it's like backed by Russian and Taiwanese billionaires. So it's like, <laughs> you know, come on, <laughs> okay, nothing but like that uh, happened around here. But no, it's what, no, it's what, no, it's what anyway. they sell. I mean, to not the Chinese billionaires. You know, it's, but it's what they're selling to the consumer, and the consumer wants to see Wisconsin that. Wisconsin billionaires. There you go. <laughs> The consumer wants to like feel like this is a small community project, yeah. and you know it's kind of sad that people are playing on that, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's what it is. So um, yeah, the scene's growing pretty quickly. There's a lot of guys making single malt whiskey. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys. I think, in my honest opinion, um, and this is just knowing from like somebody who runs a distillery on a day-to-day basis without um, a lot of investment, without any external investors apart from our crowdfunders, um, it's not it's not easy. It's no. super tough, man. Like the running costs are high. Um, you know, you're living kind of, you know, we're doing okay, but we're, yeah. you know, we're holding it together. But we were always really careful about how we set up ourselves because we're so minimal. We did a lot of stuff ourselves. We do a lot of work ourselves. I mean, my brother, he designed an underback with one of my crowdfunders. He's a Danish guy, absolute awesome dude. Um, so he runs like a kind of like a subsea engineering company, do a lot of stainless steel works in Denmark. And uh, they work together and built an underback yeah. and stuff like that. So it's huh. like doing stuff like that it, for me is a lot better than just going to like uh, one of the massive uh, yeah. design companies and saying, well, this is what we need because you just like, it'll cost you a fortune. Yeah. So like my brother going, okay, I'm going to design this myself and like this guy manufactures daily and he get the price really fair for us mm-hmm. and stuff because he realizes like he wants to be part of it. Yeah. So. I love that your Instagram is the best of like, I forget to put gin photos on. I forget you're like, because like, I look at other gin distilleries and I'm like, oh shit, we're meant to do that as well. Like, oh, here's a photo of a cocktail. Oh wait, no, I'm not paying a guy like three grand to yeah. make some cocktails. Yeah, right. Like, no, <laughs> it's, it, yours like is a real portrayal of what a small craft distillery um, or building a distillery is really like. It just did you and your brother pushing things around. Like, yeah, exactly. there's one picture I just remember, it's a long time ago, but it's like another day of mash and he's just like holding there, like standing right there. Yeah. And he looks just tired and drained, but it really does demonstrate what it's like to be a distiller yeah, owning yeah. your own distillery when it's all on you yeah absolutely that's it yeah buck stops with you man for sure it's um so this is one of our recent single casts so this is a klein leash 2010 it's only nine years old from a bourbon barrel um 58 volume so you might want to what's that 116 us sunday sundays are for 116 sundays are for 160 proof so yeah you might want to knock it back with a bit of water but this is one of our recent single casts so we just um we're doing a lot at the moment, and it's, um, like I said, it's a really great part of our business, and it, mm-hmm. essentially it funds 
what we're doing with this single cast. So the gin does well, yeah. uh, but we don't push the gin. Like we don't go out and we spend a lot of money. We don't spend any money on marketing. Go to Japan once a year. Go into Taiwan this year because they're very good customers Just of do mine. Whiskey fest. Do some whiskey events. And oh, that's how you knew I, fe- I resigned from Cobol. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're to Michael. I was in Shizuoka. <laughs> that's uh, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, oh, I know a guy from Cobol. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was... Um, that's what we do. So we like we don't invest that money in. So the single cast kind of I wouldn't say it drags everything on, but it certainly makes it a hell of a lot easier. Like mm-hmm. I, I think if we were just like making gin, it would be really tough. It would be tough. Like you know, we sell quite a bit of gin and we get some some decent volumes going out. Um, but it's like whiskey in the way that we make whiskey yeah. is very expensive. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like very expensive for the barley, but also uh, we don't make the sort of yield levels that. Uh, other distilleries make and that's mm. kind of deliberate because we are using these older varieties of barley with lower starch content and um, we're using kind of brewer's yeast instead of distiller's yeast and we're fermenting for yeah. longer so all of these things are leading to losses throughout the production process but yeah. it's all flavour driven exactly know? that's yeah. what I mean, you get at the end of the day it tastes like barbecue barbecue, barbecue. barbecue. I can see that's that yeah that's like, like char, like a little yeah, bit I, think, char. I think that's the barrel char coming out. Yeah, you know, that kind of smokiness. A little bit of like a floral, maybe lavender nose on it. Yes. Do you know when I tasted this cast sample, I was like, man, this is so floral. Yeah. It's like quite unusual because I didn't really yeah, I expect a clean leash to be kind of that floral. It normally has that kind of lush white stone fruits, that kind of waxiness, but not that floral note. So, mm. yeah, it's a really good cask. So, this guy, um, we, where are we putting this? This is sold out in the UK or sold out with us direct sales. So we tend to do like, our release models, we tend to keep like 48 and do direct sales for it. We kind of okay. have to. And what it allows me to do is keep the price down with other retailers and wholesalers and mm-hmm. stuff like that and my importers. So it allows me to give them a fair price because I'm making a higher margin on yeah. my direct sales. Well, your direct sales, yeah, correct. So, um, that's a really great part of our business. We just released back-to-back a nine-year-old, uh, this one, the nine-year-old Klein Leash. We did a 1998 Orkney, which was like, Highland Park, obviously not. Nice. Uh, anyway, so they're doing a lot of undisclosed Orkney at the moment. Or <laughs> like, <laughs> that sort of thing's coming out. So Ed- Edrington are shifting a lot of stock, but that's kind of, I don't, you know, whatever. Um, so we were bottled a 98. We are just bottled, uh, we're about to do an Imperial 95, which obviously closed distillery. Wow. Really good stuff. We're about to do a 1973 Sherry Butt of Carsbridge, which is a sister cast to one we released last year, okay. 45 years old. Gotcha. Carsbridge is a single grain whiskey, um, getting another closed distillery. Um, and we also, what else are we releasing? Hell of a lot of stuff at the moment. Um, the Klein Leash. Oh, we're doing this really great blended whiskey. So it's a 1980 blend. Um, but it's absolutely incredible, like sherry, fully sherry matured, mm. and it kind of just tastes like old Speyside whiskey. Nice, yeah, you know, yeah, I, wow, I have classic. to say, I would question whether there's actually any grain content in there because for me, it just tastes like single, well, it tastes like malt. Yeah. Single, yeah. Single malt so yeah. that's going to come out, um, and we're about to do. We just did a blended malt from Campbelltown, which was 2014. We released oh, cool. that. We put a ramen label on it. It was an awesome label on it. Um, so our designer we worked with, she, I basically, her brief was like, can you just put a bowl of ramen on the label? Yeah. And yeah. she was like, kind of. When you get these barrels that are yeah. that old, what's the condition they're like? Um, generally, they're in pretty good condition. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for example, the 1980, was re- it was blended in, I think, about 2006, 2007. Okay. So they took the components, they blended them and put them into sherry butts then, but they were sherry matured before mm-hmm. that. Um, so that's kind of re- led to a really good integration. Of Do you hydrate them? Spurs. Sorry? Did you hydrate them or anything? No, like no. So we're buying these. So it's kind of like I'm saying, we're kind of love hand to mouth of these. So I can't really hold. I've, like, I only own about like five or six okay. casks. Okay. And I'm kind of working maybe six months ahead with them. And then, oh, okay. like, yeah, so we're like, we're not like a proper 
independent bottler who's buying new mm-hmm. fillings, waiting 10 years, yeah. 20 years for them to be there. I'd love to be in that position, but it's just like, obviously, it's so cash intensive oh, to, yeah. to do that. So, um, yeah, the, the woods generally, I mean, we'll get samples and we'll decide what to bottle and stuff. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty happy. We're doing a lot of rum as well at the moment. Oh, cool. We're only doing high ester pot distilled rums. So, like, we're doing uh, we're doing a money musk for K&L Wings in California. Uh, we're also doing a money musk for uh, a bar in Japan, so mm. like private bottling mm-hmm. for them. Um, just nice. did a diamond as well from Guyana, and that was done in the Versalis still, which is like the, the wooden pot still thing they have there. So we did that uh, 2005 and 2006. 2005 was for a bar in Edinburgh nice. um, called Nauticus. It was a very, very good cocktail bar. And then we did one for Rum and Whiskey's 10th anniversary in Kyoto, which is like a Kyoto. kind of dedicated rum and whiskey bar. That's cool. Which has got an awesome label. If you check it out, it's got sloth in it. It's oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pink sloth label. So That's awesome. Um, just, to be honest, our designer, like, I, it's one thing for us like just to kind of pick decent liquid, but like mm. Katie, who does the yeah. uh, designs, so she's on KMG yeah.com or is it kmg.com anyway you can have a look at her <laughs> with kmg on instagram but she does awesome awesome, awesome artwork and we just gave her we used to give her a brief or like we give a rough idea of what we want and then she just kind of leave her to it she goes and i found it. that that's the best way to do it it's just like yeah. let her go just she's, let her go with it yeah. um so obviously she's brilliant um being an artist deadlines mm-hmm. are yeah. mm-hmm. difficult uh, <laughs> but she's pretty awesome man. deadlines really, in this industry period are difficult yeah, yeah. Just, they're for tough. people so yeah. that really sells it and we get a lot of um um, yeah, I, I think this part of the business is really, it's its grown really well for us on single cast. And that's going to be, you know, because we don't want to rush out our own single malt. Like, we don't want to bottle it if we don't feel comfortable bottling it. And okay. I'd like to be in a position where we don't have to. Okay. And I'd like to just kind of maintain the stock that we have if mm. we don't feel like we're going to want to bottle it anytime soon. So we are going to do something next year. So we promised our crowdfunders, our original crowdfunders, that we do a three-year-old as part of their package. So that's going to be going out to them next year. So we've Great. actually... Um, I'm pretty sure I can say this, but me and my brother decided we're going to do cast number one. Mm. Okay, because it's kind of like we want it to be, we want people to, it's good liquid and it's from Sherry Butt, so we're going to get more volume out of it. So our crowdfunders will get their bottles. And then a second round crowdfunders who, like we've just bought a new site, I mentioned mm-hmm. that, so we did a second round of crowdfunding to move into there. Um, we're going to offer out to them first, so they'll get first refusal and then we'll put it out to our importers and distributors. Basically anyone yeah. who supported us. At the beginning. Yeah, at the beginning. When we've been going we've been at the cold face you mentioned so. a lot of different uh juices um what would be what would you consider your your core something that you'll consistently always have or are you just doing single barrels and single just, barrel that's yeah. your your mo is probably going to be single cast market exclusive <coughs> my own so specific opinion. single barrel releases yeah. and that's it for different okay, cool. yeah, distributors retail and what about your gin is that always going to be the same or? uh the gin we're actually we're um we've got a couple of new products coming out so we've just bought a new still which is gives us a lot more versatility on it oh, um than uh, we had before so We've slightly adjusted the recipe. So we actually use 10% single malt in our gin um, just to give it uh, so exactly the same as we'd fill into cast. So it's like gives it a lot more body and texture. Like yeah. So it's based on a 19th century fire, fire grenade. Yeah, yeah. The grenades, yeah. So you just be like ornate wall-mounted fire grenades and stuff like that. So it was kind of being in the fire station and looking for inspiration. <laughs> cool. but we are going to kind of maybe look at a slight redesign on it because we've got um, a bit of interest from the States. So we're looking at maybe doing 70, oh, great. 70 slash... 70 CL, but also capable for 75 CL for you guys um, mm. in your protectionist market over here. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> tell you, man. we'll 
Could have probably do that. Uh, got <laughs> under pressure here from like, it's been on like three or four flights now. So it's doing so well. Explode out. Um, She's going good. So this guy does really well. We do well. We've just kind of, we're in Japan, we're in Taiwan, yeah. mainland China, Hong Kong. My import in Hong Kong is awesome. Like you do my import in Japan, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. These guys, they're brilliant. Like mm. they, from my perspective, they pay the bills really quickly and they buy decent volumes and they're super supportive of the overall project. So like places like this, this is the, these are the places we're going to really support in the future mm. um, with single cask because essentially that's what people want. We get guys contacting us and be like, oh yeah, I'm really interested in your products. It's like, yeah, you're interested in our single cask. Like you don't really give a shit about our gin. Like you yeah. want our whiskey. And like, I get that. Like I really do. I, I understand that. But we've got to support the guys who have supported us in the early days. Like do you tell them that? In a roundabout way. Okay. In a roundabout way, yeah. So you don't say shit. No, <laughs> I just kind of go. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's okay. Well, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, thanks. We're fine. We're okay. Um, we're fine. Thank you. But we do well, and so we just put our first order out to the US. So we just did two casks, uh, 19, another nineteen ninety eight Orkney and a Monomusk for K and L Wines in California, who are nice. super easy to deal with. Um, I don't know how you get. I don't know what they're like over here, but for us, I certainly find them really easy to deal with. Um, it depends. Yeah. Every state's different. Yeah. You're, you're yeah, looking. Right. The drinking culture in every state is different. Mm. You know. Um, you said the gin was doing well in California? So, well, we're about to do a product for them, uh, release that's about 900 bottles going out there, but we're going to do a, a, basically a tropical gin. So it's going to okay. be kind of like... And that's a great thing to do for like that part of that market. Yeah. Because Wilson was just talking about how every state's different. They're, I would say Californians really get into brown spirits now, but yeah. they're always like, more clear Core, spirits, clear yeah. Spirits, yeah. And it depends where you're at. In the country. It's a huge state, too, well, obviously. We, it was actually a product we want to experiment with. So we've been looking at it for a couple of years now. It's doing, like, kind of really not uh, infused post-distillation, but doing something which is kind of, like, really uh, fruity mm. and fruit-driven. Mm-hmm. So the, what we have with our gin at the moment is it's, it's relatively austere. So we keep a relatively low botanical content, okay. and then we um, blend it in with 10% single malt. So it's, like, from what I would describe as, like, a new gin drinker, which is, like, in, yeah. certainly in the... In, the UK, there's a lot of people who I would describe as like ex-vodka drinkers who are moving on to gin mm. because it's quite fashionable at the moment. And it's also quite accessible when you have like a, a massive glass heavily diluted filled with strawberries and rosemary and stuff like that. It's like yeah. really easy to drink. Yeah. So <laughs> our gin's like super austere and it has that malt content. So we're doing other products which are what I would describe as like Pinot Grigio of gin. Okay. And don't okay. get me wrong, like I like a Pinot Grigio, it's very good, but like, you know, I'm talking like generic kind of <laughs> clean flavor, yeah. kind of fruity, easy easy drinking. Easy drinking. Easy drinking. That's kind of what we're looking for. Um, so we're going to release, trial it out over there and then we might release it in the UK depending on how it goes. So um, we're going to do that hopefully in the next couple of months and we're going to bring in another couple of products in the UK and then maybe see a bit putting them out into Europe. And we got a few cask gauge things. We just did a juniper cask with mm. um, juniper cask gin, which to be honest, we filled it and we just forgot about it for two years. Like, <laughs> it's under a bottling. Like two year barrel aged gin? Yeah, two year ah. barrel aged gin. Juniper, juniper cask gin. Wow. Okay, so it basically it's been leaking for two years <laughs> really badly because juniper uh, was sure. just like just covered in knots. Yeah. Um, so we're going so to... It's a juniper cask? Juniper cask, yeah. <laughs> How big is it? Uh, so they're uh, 100 litres when they're filled. Okay. Yeah, okay. when they were filled. Okay. So we're going to get about 240 bottles all out at the end, but we had it... The design was done by the same guys we bottled the Monimust for in Japan, which is um, Bartray in Hiroshima. And this guy's like does amazing kind of Japanese-style print but it's just kind of it's really mm. beautiful art you should check them out on instagram the guy's just incredible artist and i, I said to him look i'm going to do a juniper cask same style as our single cask whiskies is in the label and layout and everything but mm. i just kind of gave him free reign on it so we've done that but we actually had some um, non-organic hiroshima 
lemons and Hiroshima oranges, which nice. are like, widely regarded in Japan as like some of the best citrus. So um, we blended it post-distillation with that. So we took the juniper barrels and we blended them with single citrus distillation. And the reason being is juniper barrel is like quite kind of piney and waxy and resinous, and we wanted just to kind of brighten it up a little bit. So we brought in, obviously, ties in with the bar being in Hiroshima, yeah. and then bringing Hiroshima citrus. So that was kind of the idea wow. of that. But that's just like 240, 260 bottles, something like that. It's a bit of fun. And I was wondering how many bars you usually get out of your single barrels. I mean, that's cool, though. Yeah, I mean, not a lot. I mean, that's from two casks. Okay. You know, that's, yeah. 70, that's 70 CL bottles. So you're using a variety of sizes, too, right? Yeah, yeah. We've got everything from, we've got a couple of port pipes, or we've got a port pipe sitting there that we actually put our uh, hearts of our heads and tails distillation from our gin. Cool. Because okay. it's like obviously it's relatively rough, but it's so we just kind of leave it in there to oxidize. Um, I've no idea how it tastes now, I have no <laughs> idea what we're going to use it for, but obviously, like, you know, the, the adventure continues. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, you got to pay tax on it if you get it out, if you do sure. something with it. So, right. if, you know, if you decide Imagine to just let it sit, let it sit there and yeah. see what happens, and then we'll yeah, just we, hope for the best. We talked about this with a couple of like cascades gins. It's like, what if we just like what if it just tasted shit? Let's just redistill them, yeah, be, just do that redistilled cascades gin, and, mm. yeah, but it's got to be good for us to kind of release it, you know, we're not going to kind of throw something out unless we're kind of comfortable with it mm-hmm. um, definitely yeah. mm. uh when you first started the idea or had the idea to do it through crowdfunding yep. how did you approach that or how did you find seekers out there what was um so we're kind of involved in sort of the online whiskey community as far as the malt community goes quite a while we used to run like a little blog online oh, on facebook okay. and stuff like that which is right. like called at the time it's called whiskey collector so it was at a time when there was still innocence in kind of collecting so you're whiskey. an influencer well, I was at that time, <laughs> but it turned out like I liked drinking it more than I liked <laughs> yeah. That's our problem. The whiskey industry yeah. really shifted recently, and certainly the collector's market. So you used to get people yeah. who would collect for like passion off whiskey, and it's like, I just happen to buy more than I can actually drink. You yeah. know? So they bought more bottles than they actually drink, and thus they've become a collector, whereas now you have the investors. Yeah. And that's kind of really different. That's kind of, for me, kind of ruined it a little bit, but uh, I understand why they're doing it and the reasoning for doing it, but... Um, Anyway, so then we stopped doing Whiskey Collector, and so but we we were still involved in kind of a lot of the online communities and stuff like that. So I changed that to Dorna Castle Whiskey Bar. So that's now run by our bar manager, and he just does the social media for the Whiskey Bar from that yep. page with oh, the same following, okay. um, or the the initial following. Gotcha. Yeah. So basically, we finished work one night and we're like, "Fuck it, let's make a video." I bought like a little shotgun mic on uh, online and just kind of we sat there and made a video. There's an outtake. There's videos on YouTube somewhere. Like, I'd, how I, many pours I, were you in when this started? Well, my brother was driving. I wasn't. I was just like, oh, "Fuck." There's, there's, there's an outtake of essentially me just going swear, swear, swear. Yeah. Swear. Oh. <laughs> and um, yeah, amazingly, it did really well. And it was kind of like people we didn't know, people never heard of, and stuff. So it was kind of kind of crazy. And it was nice that people have that level of faith yeah. in us without ever having proved anything. And to be honest, the first round crowdfunders were just like a total breeze because it took like two and a bit years for them to actually get, pr- or two years to kind of get product and cask from yeah. doing the crowdfunding. So like mm-hmm. I have a hell of a lot of respect for these guys because they were like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in this. I'm here for this. You guys have sold your house. So um, we're having the same, obviously we're doing the second round of crowdfunding at the moment. And one yep. of the things we stipulated is like, it's going to be filled from the new site. Not sure if we're going to do that. We might just start filling pretty soon from the current site, but it all depends on storage space uh, for us. So, uh, but the second round crowdfunders are also like they've been pretty supportive in the overall thing. But those guys who were there in the early days, yeah. who like give us money, like mm-hmm. serious amount of respect for them. I mean, you know, to a lot of people, it wasn't huge. Like I know to a lot of people in the world, two thousand pounds isn't a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a starter. But What's that in US like, dollars? Uh, two uh, eight or something yeah. like that. How much? Two thousand eight hundred dollars, something yeah. like two six. Okay. To a lot of people, it's not a lot of money, but. 
to, when you've got like Distant. a couple hundred of them or like 150 yeah. of them. It's kind yeah, of, it feels, I mean, it's... You yeah. feel the pressure, man. Absolutely. Like, for sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know like, you know, we're not really liable if anything happens and it's like you are crowdfunding, there is risk, it is an investment. Yeah, of but, course. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, so really appreciate it. So yeah, we sat in the bar one night and just made a video and put it online. So we launched it. Um, <laughs> we got, I would say we got sucked in a little bit by like, so like we had the guy who said, oh yeah, I know somebody who can help you with the crowdfunding and stuff like that. And he's an expert. I should have known when he turns up in like an SLK Mercedes and like parks <laughs> and has a meeting and stuff like that. And I still have to pay for the coffee. You know, it's like, <laughs> I should have known at that point. I was like, this guy's like, how the rich stay rich, man. <laughs> yeah, this is it. So, but I, um, so essentially I was, we described the idea and we said, look, we've got a big international following. We're going to crowdfund it. The reason we wanted to work with them is because we legitimized the whole thing. So like that was my theory is because a lot of these crowdfunding websites, they wouldn't do alcohol. Yeah. Um, um, so I was wondering about that, yeah. Yeah, so we we basically worked through him, and I'm not going not gonna to name names for any of this, man, because, yeah, uh, it's not cool. But, the, <laughs> yes, we worked through it, and we went live. I designed all the back of house, all the everything, um, all the PDFs and everything I, I mm. wrote and stuff like that, and you could download them and look through the terms and conditions and stuff. And he just hosted it on his website. Okay. So he was essentially going to hold the money in escrow, and that was that was it. That was all his okay. cost was. Okay. He was still taking commission on it, of course. <laughs> and now my theory was, well, look, I, if we just go out and say, well, give us some money, it's like, to me, there's like, you want that degree of legitimacy and say, like, this is oh, an yeah. official crowdfunding website, and these guys are going to hold the money for us. So uh, we launched, we launched like midday, uh, midweek, and it, uh, first payment declined. And it's like, fuck, emails, phone calls started going off, Facebook yeah. messages. And uh, just kept getting these declined payments, and it turned out that he didn't have a payment. He didn't have a gateway that would take uh, international payments. Oh, okay. Which is that? So it's UK payments only. So I was trying to phone this guy. I was like, "Pull it, pull it, pull it. Get it off the website." You know. Yeah. So it was like we stipulated it's going to be lots of international sales, and um, yeah, it was it was totally and utterly hellish. So I basically took our own website, I built a back a house, and put it onto the shop page. Uh-huh. And like, I'm not good at stuff like that, but like at the time, yeah. we were using Squarespace. Yeah. Which um, yeah really helps. We got a better website now but Squarespace for when you're starting up we use Squarespace yeah it's great man yeah, it's really good it works yeah. um, so I pulled everything always looking for a sponsorship too yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> um, stuff you should know it's that Squarespace yeah. Um, yeah so I had to pull it and like the guy was in meetings and he was like he was a total asshole about it and almost like saying it was my fault and be like oh huh. yeah we went into a contract and this agreement I was like well look man you fucked up it's like you couldn't take international payments this is basic yeah so Instead of like sitting there and getting super angry about it at the time, I was just like, right, we need to solve the problem. It just kind of, I suppose, my hospitality head coming in. It's just mm-hmm. like, there's yeah. a problem, let's solve the problem. And uh, we just built back a house onto the website, put all the packages onto it, and basically made it into a shop page. Okay. So we ended up obviously not paying that guy commission and stuff like that for it. Yeah. But it was embarrassing, you know. Was, we only had to refund probably one payment. Okay. And that was one UK payment. But then after that, it just kind it's of. still one through. payment. That's huge, though. I mean, yeah, when you're starting off with the way, I mean, yeah. you, like you said, yeah. the responsibility of having someone else's money in your pocket essentially to go do your dream. Yeah. They're supporting it. But yeah. it just shows you, man, like there's, there's people who, like the sharks on the, on the edge of these industries, and they're always looking oh, to yeah. make a little bit of money from it. Um, I think we had somebody else who was doing his, um, I can't remember what it was, it was, some form of advisory. And I was like, we got halfway through working with him. I was like, this guy's this is like bullshit, man. Like, mm. what this guy's doing. It was for a grant. That's what it is. He said, oh. could, yeah, I can, okay. I can help you out doing all these grants and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But it ended up, my brother was just doing all the paperwork for it. And my, my brother was basically, he was 
he said, look, this is where you need to apply to. And like, that was his job. He ch- charged us five grand for it. <laughs> what? Like, I refused to pay it because I was like, this is, this for is you. absurd. Like, yeah. I, so we ended, like, ended up having to Yeah, the paperwork's like, all, it's, it, that's all the work. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so work. my brother was doing it. And I was like, what the fuck's this guy doing? Like, he's yeah. just telling us where to submit it. Like, that's all he's doing. But they come across, and these, it was suggested by friends. So I felt a little bit, our family friends, so I felt a little bit bad. But mm. at the same time, it's like the guy was just in it for himself. You got to watch out for yourself. You need to watch out for yourself, too. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think to so his big thing was like his he was like oh yeah I get helped Brewdog get their money Brewdog's obviously yeah. massive so they helped him getting the grants um, and that was kind of his only one selling point and I was like right okay well whatever let's give it a go but we were never destined to have these massive European grants heading our way you know we just weren't in that position to be able yeah. to get it so we obviously got local government uh, grants as well for, for the project but uh, we just, they were pretty supportive about it mm. um, but yeah stuff like that when you're, on, when you're trying to start up a business and that you don't have that level of honesty and clarity you know and it's, it's kind of a little bit of a shame that these people are you know, suckering and yeah, they guys. feed off absolutely. Of those. Yeah. At least your family has the entrepreneurial sense where you can maybe catch it before some people wouldn't. Yeah, we ended up having to sell like one five, uh, one fifteen hundred pounds, and just like getting the guy to fuck. Huh. Excuse my language, but that's yeah, yeah. yeah. no, yeah. no, 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 we're explicit. Yeah, yeah. No. explicit rating. Yeah, I was just, oh man, it's furious. But these sorts of things just really annoy me throughout the whole process. And people are there just to kind of shark from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much of the business, that part of like the business side, are you dedicating to it versus you know like the distilling side? Uh, my so my brother's time is spent about ninety percent production, ten percent. 10% in the office and he deals with HMRC so like he's kind of my flak jacket for that because HMRC is <laughs> a nightmare yeah. right. well they're, they're actually as far as people go they're gen- everyone I've met from HMRC that we've dealt with at the distillery they're pretty good like, okay. they, they, they want you basically just to have your house in order right and um which I totally get, you know, when you're involving such high levels of tax and alcohol. It's yeah. Like, I get oh, yeah. It. So he deals with them. He does all the monthly submissions and uh, quarterly submissions with HMRC just to claim what we have. So he does all of that. Uh, Vary, who works for us, she basically does all the office. She does all the export stuff with me. And then I, my time is split probably about 60% production, 40% office. But, like... Um, you know, if you ask my girlfriend, I'm pretty non-stop with it. Like, I check emails, like, as soon as I wake up and yeah. stuff like that, or I reply to emails. And yeah. Yeah, well, no, my I brother doesn't, it. but, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, certainly, there's some people, I think, I suppose he's got that kind of, I'm his flak jacket on that, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, so. Right. Well, you, you said it pretty clearly. I mean, you're more on the business, uh, you're more of the face of the whole operation where your brother's just tinkering in the back, you know, making sure that production's up to par just, and yeah. so far. So My brother's the sort of guy that you just want to be like, right, the, here's everything you need to do, what you yeah. need to do, and just please get on with it. And just and be done with it. Be done with it, and he mm-hmm. will make ridiculously good spirit mm. yeah sometimes he gets a bit distracted but it's in his personality but he's he's yeah. honestly he's a brilliant distiller in my true belief that he will be regarded as um mm. one of the best distillers in like 10 20 years wow. for sure man I, I i genuinely believe the spirit he's making now is like exceptional well good because if you didn't like each other that would not you know no that would that would come through the i spirit. think he's the, yeah, i get a bit hot-headed sometimes and he's probably the only person who can kind of like probably him and my dad can kind of keep me keep you get me back to level Gotcha. Yeah, just bring me back to level. What, what triggers you? What are things that trigger you? Oh, just, you know, dealing with, like, dealing with, like, the, the dick that just tried to give you the five <laughs> grand. Yeah, things like that. So, yeah, sharks <laughs> like that. But also, like, uh, dealing with, like, government agencies and mm. stuff like that, whether it's mm. not, you know, I'm not going to go into details, man, but, like, oh, I, just I, get, I just get frustrated. We've I get frustrated there. with bureaucracy, like, you know, and sometimes I yeah. feel like from a small business perspective, it's it's really difficult. Oh, yeah. The whole whiskey industry is, is geared up to the big guys and where we are in, in Scotland. Uh, mm. You've got, like, Diageo, 
and uh, Shiva's um, Pernod Ricard, and they own the majority of the industry, and the rest is just like a bunch of small guys. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, and obviously you've got people like LVMH who own Ardbeg and Glenmorangie, and these are massive companies. Like we've mm-hmm. had cease and desist orders for like trademarks and stuff like that that have been like we put out a trademark that was um, it's basically got shot down by LVMH, really? and it was for it was for Dornick. But then it's one of these things where by trademark law. I totally get it. I understand they had the trademark for Dornica in spirits category in the yeah. UK. Uh, so I really understand that. But if you go into um, Scotch whiskey regulations, is you can't trademark um, an area. Like, you can't tra- trademark a town name or something like that. For, uh, it can only be a category. Yeah, it can only be a category, unless mm. it's historic. You know, okay. Unless it's a historic one. So, um, And Dornick was kind of considered... It's quite funny. If you have a look at the Scotch whiskey regulations, I think from 2008, they actually used Dornick as an example of how not to label your whiskey because it's like, you know, <sighs> Glen Dornick from yeah. Single Highland Malt or Single Lowland Malt or something like that. So it doesn't actually have that direct contact. But their argument was, like, we're on the Dornick Firth, even though they're in a completely different uh, county. Okay. So huh. anyway, we got through that. And it was a little bit... Um, if you have a look, there's a website called The Whiskey Sponge have a look on his article that he wrote about um, this whole thing. Okay. So it's quite funny and like it's a bit tongue in cheek, but yeah. it just shows you like you're dealing with these massive guys and I get it. Like we got shot down with another trademark from Sazerac. Um, <laughs> it's just like, it's, and I get it. They just pay large trademark houses to basically oh, yeah. trademark lawyers to be like, right, anything that comes through that looks like it might slightly infringe on our trademark. If it's from a small company, shoot it down, shoot it down, shoot it down. You don't have the time, you don't have the money, you don't have the resources to be able to fight it. Yeah. Which is a shame. But at the same time, you know, there's morality in it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you've yeah. got to think. Like, I, I, I'm going to quote Chance the Rapper right now. Oh, you don't want no problems. Want no problems with me? Thanks for that. You're welcome. That sounded really good. I appreciate it. You have mad skills. Well, I mean, they're they're not toned up right <laughs> now. Go try and trademark uh, Taco Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the Ohio State oh, trademark. Or the, yeah. the, 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 the word the. Yeah. yeah. There's That's a college here that just tried to trademark the word the. Oh, really? Yeah. Because oh, they Lord. use it in their uh, university name officially, the U Ohio State University. I said it. I yeah. take it they got shot down for that? Or? They did. Oh, yeah. 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 They did. And then LeBron over. James tried to trademark Taco, Taco Tuesday. Did okay. he really? Yeah. I thought that was just bullshit. No, it was, uh, he really story. did. Yeah, he oh, tried to trademark it. It's amazing. Isn't it's it? crazy. Like, these are things you don't it's think like you just need more money. Don't I mean, how, how much more? You just do want to put your head man. down and make spirit. You know, that's yeah. all I want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well said. Yeah. Well yeah. said, Phil. I agree. I so mean, shit. your brother, where did he um, get his training at? So he did some work originally at Strathern when they were setting up. We should probably say your brother's name, by the way. Yeah, Simon, 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 Simon Thompson. Yeah. Simon, Simon Thompson, yeah. So, so if you've sent him brother. an email, he probably won't reply. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he does listen to podcasts, so he drives like oh, he drives go. like an hour and a half every day. Uh, wow. Shout out to Simon. Jeez. What's up, Simon? Uh, what Simon says? Hey, Simon, stop getting distracted in the car, man. <laughs> Run, focus. Jeez. Uh, no, so Simon, yeah, Simon Thompson. Yeah, but he's, a, he's my brother. Is a, yeah, he's a genius, man. Mm. He really is. Yeah, so I think if we were kind of going in from a big business perspective, I suppose he'd be like the chief technical officer, okay. Okay. CEO sort of thing. But it kind of works. It just works, you know. I have yeah. full trust in him, and I hope he has full trust in me and what we're doing. But um, yeah, it's a struggle, man, you know, but it's, it's good. I love it. absolutely love it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, th- I figured you'd actually bring up this question about the artwork, Wilson, since you... Yeah, yeah actually, that was... I was I, just I, waiting for it, because he, he got into nuances, yeah. and I know that this can't... This is a nuance that I would I know that I would. Yeah, I was. I mean, I, was, I know you hadn't seen the biology before until today, so I wanted you just to kind of get into that. Yeah, see what you thought of it. Yeah, because because one of the things that caught my eye a couple of years ago, whenever I uh, first came across. Yeah. 
So is there, with with the design aspect, though, Phil, do you look for something significant to the actual spirit itself, or are you just... Yeah, kind of, but then... just letting her just run with... Yeah, kind of. Her own creative will. Did you used to work with multiple artists, too? um, No, no. We've always kind of been with Katie, so... She, because um, when you she, look at this and then you look at this, I'm oh, sorry, yeah, this is a different design house for the gen, yeah, yeah. Okay. it's a different design house okay. for the gen. So, we went to a company called Pocket Rocket Creative to do that. They do a lot of design for the Scotch whiskey industry, they do a lot mm. of stuff for Tomatin and things like that. So, but they're really, really great guys. Um, obviously, with their big design house, they're not cheap, <laughs> yeah, obviously these guys are not cheap. And I'm looking at it next year, and obviously, getting that interest in the states and stuff. And they're thinking, right, redesign, man, god, mm. how much is it going to cost me? Yeah, sometimes it's, like I mean, it's just a scale difference, really. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a bigger bottle, obviously, to get to the 750. Great bottle shape, by the way. Great mm-hmm. bottle. I like the teardrop shape. Yeah, I it's really a great. Do. We're going to maintain the shape. I'm going to move probably to short screw cap and or a short cork, mm-hmm. custom cork thing. I mean, we this is exactly the same as the the fire grenade design. So we the guys just took the design of that yeah. and then customized mm-hmm. it for that. In hindsight, we should have like, got thought about it a little bit more <laughs> with the corks, but we just had so much to go on. We were working full time until like we oh, still, yeah. first production was in, um, I think it was like 31st, uh, 31st of November, 20, 2016, I want to say. Gotcha. Yeah. So we were working until the October. Yeah. And then, I mean, those are those, know, these are the minute details where, like you said, I just want to work on the distilling. I want to I make whiskey. Yeah. And then some other things are, you know, not necessarily overlooked, but hey, man, we know, a I lot think of components go into everything. I've learned so much in the past, like, three, four years as far as spirits go and as far as alcohol goes. And not just about making it. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, making it's like, I would say that's relatively... Not in the style that we want to make it, and the way that we make it is quite physically intense, but um, certainly that's the easy part. What, know, like, what do you think are some of the biggest lessons you've learned? Um, well, we've just had some pretty costly fuck-ups. Okay. So, like, um, in the way we've kind of set up and stuff like that. and Everything we've done is kind of, I suppose it's modular. Everything can be switched around or pumps can be moved around. So mm. it's yep. like um, we never plumbed anything in. And now we're at the point where everything works really smoothly and you know exactly where it's going to be. Before you were detaching pumps oh, and yeah. everything, so everything left, right and centre and stuff. Gotcha. So, um, A we mash just kind spills of, out. Yeah. yeah. Just streamlined the whole thing, basically. So okay. we just kind of streamlined everything a little bit more. Um, so that's kind of what I learned is how to be more not efficient with the production because the mm. word efficient efficiency in single malt kind of makes me think like higher yield and kind of uh, yeah. not as flavor driven as certainly as we are um, with the ingredients and the yeast and so on and distillation style yeah. and so on so everything we do is done by certainly our cut points when we're doing a spirit is no sight taste you know you kind of get to learn how your stills work and stuff and mm. we encourage the two guys that work for us Jacob and, and Ewan it's like make the cut points guys like you know mm-hmm. I want you to kind of do it. I don't want you to be like this is because they, they went from Harriet went to Harriet Watt studied brewing and distilling okay. both of them um, and obviously they're taught what to do they're very you know, in depth and it's a great program but mm-hmm. like when it actually comes to making spirit and looking at like you know the differences in temperature as far as you know in the summer and the winter condensing oh, yeah. temperature fermentation how your fermentation is performed the yeast that you're using and stuff like that so totally embrace it go back to how things work because nowadays in the whiskey industry it's like you know cut points are all made by like <laughs> Predecided, you know, everyone's decided, it's been decided by somebody else out with the actual distillery. It's not like going, okay, well, actually, the fermentation is a little bit mm. different today, so we're going to cut it here instead of cutting here. Gotcha. It's like they're going, okay, we're going to cut this temperature and the strength, we're going to cut this temperature and the strength, okay? Whereas yeah. we like to tell our guys, right, run it, so we'll run our heads and then we'll just basically say, right, get a glass, stand yeah. there 10, 15 minutes, decide where you want to cut it. I love that. You know? Yeah. That's amazing. So we're, it's really warm. It's on and yeah. Taste it's truly craft. Yeah. Yeah. Take, you know, Time to taste, yeah. Yeah, well, you have to. And, and, like, it does change so much. And what you find with, um, certainly with single malt production, I don't know thing. enough. 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't, don't know enough about uh, you know, American spirits in the same way, but certainly in single malt production, you get, you're very flavor-driven towards the front end of your, mm-hmm. of your distillation and sort of the heads and the tails. The hearts in the middle, is like, it's got decent flavor, but it's not as, it's not as kind of interesting yeah. as either of these. But this is where you kind of have your dirty alcohols at the end. Absolutely. Kind of, yeah, aggressive yeah. alcohols at the start. So you're kind of like, you're pinpointing that. You're going, okay, so as the kind of flavor decreases, you're getting purity kind of starts mm. maintaining. So it's like their job is to pick that balance between having as much flavor as yeah. possible and keeping it pure. Gotcha. The hard cut's really important, I think, in craft spirits. Craft spirits. In, 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 the, in the U.S., because a lot of them aren't barrel aging very long either, so you don't actually have that effect of the tails because yeah. interacting with the barrels kind of yeah. getting those more you know, unique, spicier notes, kind of yeah. more... More bite to your whiskey, just in a layman's sense. Well, we're also going into new barrels. True, it's very yeah. much. It's a whole different approach. But also, yeah. you guys can kind of like you know what a lot of distillers do is they'll kind of narrow the cut depending on sort of the, the cast they're filling. And we do that to an extent. If we're filling something like the Coval cast, or we're filling, mm-hmm. filling like fifty liter journeyman cast, we slightly we bring the we bring the cut in a little bit, mm. okay? Because we know we're not they're not going to mature for as long as kind of uh, the stuff going into butts. Understood. You know? yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point too as well. So, is it? Um, the intent with you mentioned the flavor when, when cutting. Mm. Do you find that you're using more of the head in this process than what is normally used? I am, Doing it that way, well, I mean, because we're you're, you're now you're mm. now there's a lot more risk of human error in a sense yeah. where you, if you cut too much into the head, then but if we're just you releasing, can lose a, you yeah. can re, you can lose. A run or a distill it. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I always consider it like barbecue, man. Just get it slow. <laughs> so when you come to make your hearts cut, uh, you come to making you know your 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 first hearts cut. Yeah. Just run it low and slow, man. Just okay. Just get that reflux up, and you okay. get a real stratification of, of a layering of like the alcohols within the within the pot. So mm-hmm. it's like you can really run it slow. And we have another method. One thing we do is we completely empty our parrot, and then so if we're running heads and we're like taste it, okay, that's that's still too headsy for us okay let's keep it let's, let's um, set that aside empty the pirate completely that holds like half a liter so it's okay. like the mixing in there so it just allows you to kind of have that little bit more clarity when you're tasting Understood. it's not bleeding in okay. but uh, i really wish i brought some cast samples i didn't really think about it yeah. um, no that's all right we've got you like, can always come back or yeah we're super happy with the style of spirit we're making it's fruity and it's waxy yeah. and that's what we're looking for yeah. um so looking at stuff certainly in the first 12 months our kind of um, production varied quite a lot as far as the style of spirit we were making because we were experimenting we, we were yeah. like you know a lot of the early crowdfunding casts are basically probably cast like 1 to 80 throughout the whole distillery is like we're using different yeast varieties we're putting different cut points in and stuff like that wow. so it's like it's really I would describe them as being super interesting yeah. but like you know they might be a little bit austere for a lot of people and kind of might be for real real whiskey geeks mm-hmm. um, but the later stuff that we're stuff we're making now especially when we're using that liquid brewer's yeast yeah. and chromity brewing and doing all the cut points and stuff we've got a great system in place and I think the spirit we're making now I'm saying it's still inconsistent we embrace inconsistency yeah. uh, because you know we're going to well, you have to I mean, yeah. you're learning yeah. uh, every, every day is a different day I mean yeah. it's all a brand new approach well brand new approach and it's all single cast so I mean yeah. it allows you to do that exactly so. yeah exactly yeah. we don't have to think about blending yeah, you stuff don't have to worry about that shit. Yeah. exactly so we can embrace having single casks and having like different styles um, going out there so but the stuff that we're making now is probably more in quotes consistent although it's still inconsistent <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, that's right. it's cool no I think it's like I heard a quote uh, the other day like all of uh, all my favorite singers couldn't sing 
it's like there's guys that you know play guitar, go out, and yeah. make, you know, the, the Bob Dylan's of the world. You make your yeah, own sound. Yeah, that exactly. way, it's a, it's a whole day to day to day to day approach about we're making our whiskey, we're figuring it out each and every day. Exactly. Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen, these guys are like yeah. showmen who like sing in their own way. They're kind of like traditionally, way. if you analyze it, yeah. like, these guys are yeah. probably later in their life they became good singers Definitely. through necessity because they're yeah. having to train their voices if they're going to be on stage every single day. They've got to go oh, through yeah. vocal training and stuff. Um, but yeah, they, and like, I was watching at one thirty this morning was the same way. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite band, like the lead singer. I don't know if really if he's a great singer, but it's his style. I think we're like, are we like? So, like, I grew up a lot on, like, kind of rock and metal and stuff yeah. like that. You look like a band like Slipknot. So these guys probably started yeah. in their, like, early 20s and they're like, screaming into the microphone and stuff like that. It's probably their thing. And then later, they, you know, if these guys start touring and stuff, they have yeah. to kind of, like, really improve their methodology. You can't the way do that your whole yeah, entire you life. You can't do you that, you gotta, So it's like there is an it's art that you have to bring into it. But then these guys, originally, they are artists. And, you know, I think you need that in spirits as well. You need mm-hmm. it in wine and you need, Absolutely. To, you need that DNA, you know, and the same with beer and everything. You need guys out there who can put their own stamp on it and make it yeah. like, just incredible. We're quite lucky with um, one of our good friends. He's a winemaker in France and he's mm. a, He's a biodynamic winemaker. So bio, I don't know if you know a lot about biodynamic wine. Can't say that, do you know? Okay, I'm not going to go into detail on it because I like I will just fuck. <laughs> up. Like it's, it's biodynamic <laughs> wine production is basically based around the kind of Luddite philosophy, which came around in like I think it was late 19th century, early 20th century, where there's a lot of industrialization coming into food manufacturing. Okay. And um, I can't remember this. It's an Austrian philosopher who kind of said, "Well, we, you know, what are we losing from gaining these kind of yields in production and the style of production? It's like what have we lost in doing that?" And it's that kind of argument for art. And we've come full circle from that. So we've kind of gone through this industrial kind of production mm-hmm. of beer. And, you know, we were like, when my dad first started in hospitality back in the you know, 70s, yeah. they were drinking local cask ales from local breweries mm-hmm. that probably had yeast varieties going back like, you know, generations. Yeah, sure. And then you went on to lager, you know, went to generic kind of European lager, everything kind of tastes the same. We've gone full circle. People want something a little bit more different, a little bit more handcrafted. They're willing to spend a little bit extra to kind of get, get more from right. it more flavor mm-hmm. people want to be flavor driven so um, certainly speaking to guy, having guys like Olivier our winemaker friend just shooting the shit with him about he knows a lot about whiskey yeah. big Highland Park collector but he's like learning about production from what he does with his Zoo de Vie and also with his wines I learn a hell of a lot with what we do with our whiskey it's like you can't you can't just shut off from that you can't just be yeah. like you know what we're doing in whiskey and single malt that doesn't matter about when yeah, else yeah no too. I agree with you I Although the Scotch whiskey industry does restrict us a hell of a lot on what we can and can't do. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. This is true. But I'd it doesn't mean that you can't experiment. We can experiment. It's just normally, yeah. like, for example, if we were to, you know, add another process of, like, grain production, we'd be... Um, <laughs> oh, <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> the, fourth, uh, the fourth uh, guest. Fourth the- member. Um, we add another process. That costs us more money to do it. So it's like it doesn't incentivize us to do any, like, for example, we were talking about pure pot production earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't you know incentivize us to do it? But I'd love to do some like put some green malt into a mash bill and stuff like that. But I mean, are you saying that we could do it and you, just not tell anyone? Yeah. Is this <laughs> well, what I'm saying is part of the experimental uh, experimental process. I mean, I think it's 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 evident. It's happening here in the states, evidently, and it's obviously in, in a sense where finishes now. Yeah. Now you're finishing bourbons and sherry and port yeah. and yeah. so on and so forth. Whiskeys in different types of um, barrels. Now, when now you see a movement of Using a mixed uh, wood, uh, make a different staves Mm -hmm. from different woods, Mm -hmm. you know, made from different woods to make a barrel now. So now you're seeing a, you know, a, 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 not a trend, but it's, it's slowly going in that direction, you know? So, I mean, why, I mean, you're not, if you don't put it to market, you're not in, in any, I would assume, 
an illegal situation with with Scotland as far as the regulations. And no, everything. we've got to declare what we make every single month. To right. Mm-hmm. But so as long like, as it doesn't go out, you don't have to pay on that. No, we do because they verify you for the production process. Okay. okay. So, you're, you're, so, so if it's not a plan to market, yeah, so you still pay taxes on that? No, it's, ta- it's not a tax, but you have to pay like a, a license fee. Oh, kind license of thing. fee. So, okay. so it's a Scotch whiskey verification scheme. So we have to pay per process. So one of our processes, for example, is... Um, Mashing, fermentation, okay. distillation, mm-hmm. bottling. These are all considered maturation. These are all processes. It's kind of like a couple of grand we have to pay wow. for every single one of these processes. If you think about it, like a distillery like Rose Isle, they don't mature on site, so they pay less than us. And they're producing like, I don't know, tens of millions of litres of alcohol per year. It's like the system's not quite caught up to where craft distilling is in Scotland. Yeah? Gotcha. So, yeah. I know, man. We'll kind of like, these things will work themselves out. We just have to grin and bear it. You know? Or you can just blend Mm. And I know that goes against your, you know, your mm. whole idea, but yeah. you know, but for fun, I like the idea <laughs> of like blending at birth. It's something that happened quite oh, a lot. In yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so like, for example, Ben Nevis, Lockside, the stuff we tasted there, nice and lock nice. That was single malt we tasted, but they also made grain within the same facility, and they would okay. do like these blended at birth filaments cask. Yeah, and they're yeah. like pretty highly regarded as far as like they're not as complex as single malts. They never will yeah. be, but certainly it's interesting to see that blended at birth. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of concept. And I do like the idea of doing something like you know we're because we're small, we can be open to be like right, let's import some. Some spirits and bourbon mm-hmm. spirit from I know somebody over here, mm-hmm. and then sure. that at fifty fifty. So right. there's actually a, one distillery we've been talking to in Scotland about doing that with, and these guys are kind of like a little bit out there as well, and <laughs> kind of a little bit against the grain. So um, we're talking about doing a blended at birth with them. Cool. There's another one as well. We're looking at doing that because it could be really interesting. But just doing single malt, our single malt, their single malt. Same cast variety, one in Dornick, one in yeah. wherever it happens It'd to be. It would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would some be fun. other part of Scotland. Yeah. yeah. Some, well, no, not necessarily Scotland. Oh, oh, anywhere, oh. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Local, I mean, uh, bringing it from here, bringing it from Japan, or, yeah. I mean, that'd be cool. Yeah. India. India's yeah. got some great yeah. juice. Yeah, yeah, Their new make is pretty cool shit. Yeah. So. It's really improved in the past sort of five, six years, certainly what's been mm-hmm. released. Definitely. Um, so I'm pretty I mean, interested. The, it's, 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 it's cool. It's a lot of possibilities, you know. But I like that you're sticking to... What you know you do well, mm-hmm. and what you what you see is going to be one of the main staples out well. there. So that's cool. Yeah. You so have your fundamentals cool. there, like where you're, yeah, you're keeping that's cool. it sustainable. Yeah, well, our principles are like based around <clears throat> old style whiskey production. I mean, we're we're basically running our distillery like a distillery would be run in like the fifties, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. same level, same sort of yield level. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. but you're still running. Yeah, yeah, we're still running. We are for yeah. now. Yeah, we are for yeah, now. Yeah, you're running. Right right you. I need to sell some more single cast and some more gin. I think. There you go. Come to the U.S. and sell more of the gin. I'm sure. I'm sure it will sell. Yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, it's like a lot of competition, but at the same time, that's a lot of people out there drinking a lot of gin, too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, people will continue drinking a hell of yeah. gin. We have to always have this question in the UK now, which is like, oh, it's, what's next? It's going to be rum. Yeah. Yeah, rum's a good man. Like, there's a lot of guys making rum in Scotland now and making rum in the UK, but it's like they're making it in, like, not a style of I would like to drink. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're talking about before, like, high ester, yeah, yeah. kind mm-hmm. of really aggressive pot distilled rums, you yeah. know, sort of stuff that gets bottled at, like, 67% alcohol. Yeah. Well, yeah. temperatures, you know, just the weather itself has to be, you know, a different effect yeah. on it, too. Yeah, and also running things like Dunder Pits. Oh, know, yeah. These things are, like, super interesting for flavor creation. Hmm. Um, like, I'd love to kind of give something like that a go long-term, you know, mm-hmm. if I could, but then again, you don't have access. So, you know, I suppose things like rum, they're relying on, like, having the sugar cane there in the field, then it oh, gets yeah. processed, they have their own Dunder Pits, and it's kind of like all this... <laughs> different bacteria that formed over kind of decades and yeah you'll never recreate that not anytime no. soon but it's certainly it's something that interests me but then we should just stick to what we're good at or what we think we're good at yeah you know, we're in the right i think following like following that line of like what you said your principles and continuing on to that is 
the best approach versus trying to go into all these different outlets and doing too many different things where staying in line and doing yeah. what you do best. Mm-hmm. That's, I think it's how the companies that are growing today are growing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they, it, it's, it, it's in their best interest, at least here in the States. You know, mm-hmm. if you try to venture out in too much to, I guess, to make the masses that happy, yeah. then you're going to, you're going to easily find yourself away off track to what you're, what you mentioned yeah. earlier, your basic principles and your, you know, and your fundamentals are, and you're not going to make as good as juice. Well, I think mm-hmm. I kind of compare it to, um, I was talking to kind of another brand ambassador here in, <laughs> hey, Remy, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Um, she was talking about how like whiskey dinners are a dumb thing, because what if you have a dinner that's not so good with a really good whiskey? What's, what are you going to remember most, the dinner or the whiskey? You remember yeah. the bad portion of it. So when you try to um, you know, do a bunch of different products as a company, what if people have like one thing that's good mm-hmm. and they have one thing that's the first thing they ever tried of yours and yeah. it's not. So yeah, 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 staying in line and doing what you do best, I think it's always a mm. best approach. So especially if you're doing it well. Do you guys yeah. do whiskey dinners or do you host these sort I of do. things? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, we do. What's your feelings on them then? Is something we kind of I have to I have to try the food first. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um okay. I have to try the food first and I have to pair it with mm. the juice mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the one that we're hosting actually uh September 27th at Michael Jordan's restaurant. Um, I went out there and I met with the executive chef. I mm. met with the general manager. I met with the servers. I'm like, when I get there, I'd like to try what your ideas are. So if, if you don't know what your menu is going to be, mm-hmm. then there's no point in doing yeah. this. But do you feel that whiskey, I mean, my opinion with whiskey with food is it's like for things like appetizers and having like you know, shellfish or seafood as mm-hmm. an appetizer or something nice that and having a dessert I think it works really well with but I often find like when I'm at a whiskey dinner it's like with my main course man I just want a glass of wine or I want like a highball or I want right. a bit right. of food something so refreshing yeah. something refreshing like you don't want to be and something refreshing but also kind of matches in with it Correct. I think like drinking a short of whiskey to me with kind of an Meal. Nice main course and meaty main course sometimes just doesn't work for yeah. me. I feel like we're trying to sell it too hard, or the industry's mm-hmm. trying to sell it too hard. Certainly, like I said, things like salmon, seafood, you know, traditionally whiskey yeah. works really well with that. Things like chocolate, mm-hmm. and, you know, sweeter desserts, it really Correct. works well with. Yeah, but um, fortunately, yeah, fortunately, mm-hmm. the chef actually in this case he um, he was just like, well, these are the, the whiskeys we want to work with, so they chose three. And he already had ideas around each of them. Mm. He just needed to try them. So we tried them together. Then he had his uh, uh, next guy next to him that works. I don't know the old titles. Anyway, the sous chef. Thank you. Scotty Um, Yeah. Had him sort of like prepare this, prepare this, prepare this. So that we can actually try it, you know, with the whiskey, with the food. I just felt that there was too many food options, so we cut. We went from a five course thing. If you cut it right and you and you and you write the program properly, yeah. you'll be able to capture the food and the drink um, in a melding manner. So like so, with appetizers, you know, for instance, uh, it'll be like call it bacon. Yeah, you can have bacon with anything, you know. And so you have a cocktail with it. But what we're gonna do instead? I just didn't feel like. I felt exactly what you just said, in other words, Phil. I think we're trying too hard. So I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to do a complimentary tasting for the first hour, try all the whiskeys, and and I'll buy cocktails. Sit down for the the meal. The dessert will have 
a whiskey poured over it or mm. baked into it or something in that nature. That way you can enjoy both separately yeah. and yeah. you're not forced. You Small know. plates, I think, are the easiest approach. Yeah, to go. much easier. Mm-hmm. Much easier. Because you, you can always go find a good cheese, good yeah. bread. I shouldn't have said all that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, no. no yeah, I mean, like, it just works. No, I, I, no, I think it's better. as long as you know someone who knows what they're doing yeah. and someone who wants to, you know, is passionate about doing it too mm-hmm. and can actually figure out something, it's nice. I mean, because we bring our whiskeys to the dinner table too. I mean, that's yeah. kind of the whole approach with the company is like, Hey, it could be here at any at any pairing because it's a lighter pairing. and brighter whiskey. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a, a bad to have a highball with it or yeah. high, uh, have a cocktail with it. Showing you're still showing off your whiskey. You're still showing yeah. it off yeah. as long as it's done well. I think a highball, like a whis- whiskey soda, is like the oh. purest form to enjoy mm. a, a whiskey. I love it. Yeah, for me too. Yeah, kind of like it's it's also good for weight loss as well. You want to move off the beer, lose a few pounds, go to highballs. Oh, I never thought of it that way, yeah, but now that absolutely. you said it, <laughs> 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 back on that keto diet, Wilson. Yeah. That keto don't work, man. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love. I, Love a highball man, whiskey soda just yeah. So um, when you are in a point to open your distillery to truly the masses and not Mm -hmm. just your crowd funders, um, yeah, you have a big party. Uh, yeah, so we promised, well, we've promised the, we bought a new site, it's on the other side, it's about 400 meters away across yeah. town, so we're kind of in, at the moment we're deciding whether we use that as a, so the problem we have is distribution, okay, so we work out of shipping containers, insulated lorry bags, so okay. for example, our door to go from, because we're in like in 19th century yeah. buildings, like, so like, knocking through was really difficult, because they used to build them with like, certainly in Scotland, they'd have one layer of stone, one layer of stone, they kind of fill the middle with like rubble, yeah. it's like really kind of difficult stuff to kind of get through. <laughs> So we had to buy, like, because planning wanted us to buy, like, the same material, we had to get a really beautiful stone lintel to go above the door. Yeah. So it was like, that was super expensive. But yeah. so we didn't even think about, like, oh, we need to get a pallet through there. So it's like, <laughs> we get orders coming in for, like, seven pallets coming out. And we were, like, having to, like, take wash bags out from downstairs. Wow. And it's like, really, <laughs> a nightmare. So one thing we're thinking about doing, instead of moving the full distillery immediately over to the new site, is maintaining the single malt production there, maybe on moving the distribution and bottling over there and okay. casking and casking warehousing um, because we're, we're totally out, almost out of warehousing space but certainly that would be probably the wise thing because my brain is telling me that this is the wise thing to do as far as a monetary perspective um, gotcha you know we should just kind of take it a little bit easier there's no point in just like spending a shitload of money on moving over there and yeah. then you might so spend it on three barons what three bands would you have to your party? Yeah, well, that's a good point. Actually, I, I think there you um, go. Spend well, money. Well, the thing is, uh, traditionally, I'm like into kind of really indie British rock. The guys at Ruben okay. and okay. Hell's yeah, yeah. Heroes and stuff like that. Three bands, yeah. go. Okay, uh, Ruben. Ruben. Hell's for Heroes. And really difficult. What was the second one? I'm sorry. Hell is for Heroes. Hell is for Heroes. Hell is for Heroes, man. These guys are amazing. They're UK. Uh, they're UK. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they were kind of quite, they were around for quite a long time. I actually saw them did a, like a tenth, a fifteenth anniversary tour oh. of like uh, their first album, and I went to see them in Glasgow. And these guys rocked it, man. They're so yeah. good. Nice. Um, so Ruben again, another alternative kind of rock band. Just yeah. Okay. I'm huge Gaslight Anthem fan, but I nice. think that's kind of an easy option. Okay. Guys, I've been listening to a lot. Um, and they're, long, two they're longer Aussie, band. Two Aussie bands, Smith Street Band. Smith Street Brand, that's awesome. Quite punky band, and then Gang of Youths as well. Gang of Youths. Gang of Youths are doing good stuff. But they're now like touring with Longford and Sons and things like that now, so it's kind of like <laughs> getting that middle ground kind of area here. <laughs> I like my heart, my old school kind of used to be a musician and I love dig music. It. I'm yeah. kind of like, oh, I can't, can't listen to these guys anymore. So, <laughs> you know, uh, there you have it, folks. Yeah. You can go to Scotland and catch those three brands. When I don't think you will anymore. Oh, These guys well, all probably, like, they're all probably working them. in like You pay them a couple, <laughs> a couple pounds <laughs> each. You know, they'll do it for a couple pounds, I'm sure. Yeah, we're going to have a big third anniversary. So the third anniversary is next year. We're going to yeah. do something. We're going to have a party. And being Scotland, we'll probably do a Cayley. So like traditional Scottish music. Nice. Good dancing and stuff like that. So we'll probably do that. We'll get a bar on the go. 
um, we'll get various companies doing food pop-ups and things like that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 the, that's the idea. Yeah, anyway, that's good. Brittany, Brittany and I will travel over for that one. Yeah, for sure, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Send me pictures. No? No. Yeah. Oh, oh, what? But, um, yeah, but by the way, we're recording at my apartment today, if you couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> we're not recording yet. We've got Al Brewing, the International Studios today. Updates, yeah. living room. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's game day. Yeah, it's game day. It was Sunday. Ames Day yesterday. Yeah. It was not Ames it's Day a, yesterday. It's Iowa not, won. It means nothing to me. It's, it's really, I, I follow football, like real football guys. Yeah, That's, so do I. Yeah. Uh, my team so sucks. Which I don't know. Oh, you're an Everton fan. I'm yeah. not talking NFL. I'm talking like... Soccer. Talking Manchester United. You guys are being really mean right now. Yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> like I, 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 I went, so last time I was here, I went to see an ice hockey game. Cool. Oh, nice. No idea what was going on. <laughs> uh, couldn't, couldn't see a thing until there was a fight and then everyone went mental. What I find about U, U.S. sports, that I went to see the Cubs the other day, is people are quite passive. Like, we so coming from Scotland, like mm. they're passive in the games and stuff like that. Mm. And everything's kind of organized. So like, you're going to stand at this, you're going you're gonna to sing the song at this point, and then we're going to do yeah, the yeah, tune yeah. at this point and stuff like that. It's yeah. kind of, that kind of level of organization is kind of, it's a day out. That's what I kind of felt about the Cubs game. It's really cool. It's yeah. really fun. Yeah. And I sat there with my, one of my good friends, and we just shot the shit for, you know, I don't know, it seemed like forever. Sounds about right. Um, yeah, it's about right. Yeah. 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 We drank and we ate and we just talked. It's the world's shit, largest beer garden. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's it. Uh, and a baseball then, game might break out. Yeah, baseball game may happen. You know, may happen, and um, no, that's a good point about uh, professional sports here in the states. Like, especially like even like NFL now, everything is so sanctioned. Like, you can only show up like a certain amount of hours before tailgating. You can only yeah. go to the stadium at a certain amount of times. You have to get out of the stadium, exit the parking lot at a certain amount of times yeah. too. So tailgating something that we don't really get. You can yeah, yeah. Have the weather. Yeah, that's a, true. And, well, I've tailgated in ten degree weather. We have. So. Re- ah. I mean, we have good weather for that. T- I mean, it's just a matter of how much you're willing to withhold or withstand. I should say. Yeah. yeah. It's like shit. Do I want to stand out there in yeah. zero degree weather? No, not really. So that's just like basically getting behind somebody's car and just drinking. Pretty, Pretty much. much. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. with we'll a thousand of your other friends yeah. at the same okay, time. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It could be fun. So well, last, um, I think I went to see. So a friend of mine is a big Ajax fan. Mm-hmm. It's from Amsterdam. They were in the Champions League uh, semi-finals. Semi-finals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They did really well this year. Lost a lot of the good players. Lost to Tottenham. Yeah. yeah, they're always that kind of organization. They bring up the players and then they all go somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Well, now with the, with the level of money that's yeah. in the game, they do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of my good friends, whiskey collector, Lafroy collector, um, he has been an Ajax season ticket holder since the seventies. So um, they were playing Lyon in the so Champions League final. That was the year they played Manchester United okay. in the final, Europa League final. So the idea was basically like I was just hoping they were going to draw Man United. I could go over and watch Ajax versus Man United. So I was like, this is going to be amazing. Uh, but they drew Lyon. And uh, they had a brilliant game. A lot of you know saw guys like Delit, who's now who went off to Juventus yep. and um, Van Be- uh, Van Beck as well and stuff like that. So really good, great players, great team. But the atmosphere was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking, these guys are so they're like probably about three quarters of the crowd was like really good atmosphere, normal kind of football fans, kind yeah. of singing, shouting, enjoying. It's a massive stadium too. It's a big stadium for for <laughs> Netherlands. It's a big yeah. stadium. Um, and then one end they have the ultras. And they've been really good with the way that they've treated these guys. So they, they really embraced their enthusiasm for the game. So these guys are just like, they have the banners. They stand, you basically have to stand the whole game on that side. Wow. They have a guy who they provide the speaker for, and he like controls the crowd. And these guys are mental. Like, <laughs> mental. like you see them, if you go on like, go on Instagram and like search for the Amsterdam, Amsterdam uh, the IX Ultras and stuff, and you see okay. them like in like underpasses and stuff with like flares out, just going crazy, man. Like they're bouncing <laughs> the whole game. The whole game, they just kept everyone kept going. going. Kept so going. Awesome. Spends Saturdays. That's how I spend my Saturdays. Yeah, that kind totally of like right. I think I don't I don't see that aggression. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like the utter hatred for the other team that like you. Uh, certain you know, probably is. Yeah, yeah, I mean like the uh, Raiders, Broncos. Um, you get some people uh, drug through some 
you know, you're an the old Jets, and, Jets mm. and Giants. Yeah, there's a, there's Jets some rivalries. Uh, Philly yeah. and everybody. Philly yeah. I mean, in Scotland, we have sectarianism in football too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like a, it's a different level. Yeah, no, it's different. It's pretty rough there. It's a horrible. Thing, I think. It yeah. is. It is hard. Not cool. Sweet. It's well, not. Um, because sports is a good way to end it on that, I think. Sports, yeah. is, sports is a light. It's always a lightener. Maybe yeah. some pizza and some cocktails. What? Yeah, that was my plan. Cute. Man, dude. Bears don't play the three thirty, Wilson. Yeah, Cubs play in twenty minutes. There you go. Who are they playing? Uh, the Pirates. Pirates again. So, yeah. again? Yeah. Yeah, they're series. They, so they play three, four games, and then the next team comes in and they play three, four games. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on, but I did think the Pirates were pretty bad. They are. <laughs> okay. That's, oh, that's so cool. yeah. Cubs they should be better yeah. than they are. Yeah, you know they're not doing well. The Cubs, no, the, no, Pirates. the Pirates. Yeah, yeah. and how are the Cubs doing? Then? Cubs, uh, be, they're in a playoff spot right now. We're okay. we're, yeah. we're hanging on, hanging on. We're yeah. hanging on. A lot of injuries. Yeah, a lot of divorces. Domestic violence. Domestic violence. Oh yeah, a few of those. Well, I suppose when you give a guy a baseball bat and like make him play <laughs> every single day, it's like, you know. definitely. I oh. mean, it could be. Yeah. Well, Phil, thanks for coming all the way to Chicago just to record this yeah, podcast. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, throw out like all of your I'll, I'll take the business stuff. class flights back. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Definitely You're welcome. Straight from Chicago. Um, yeah, throw out like all your Instagram and like all your handles that way. Promote people if they want to. Oh, also, right, okay. like, you want me to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, yeah, so. I mean, this has been an invest- investment pitch for Wilson too this entire time. He just didn't know it. So if you want to crowd in the, invest in the crowdfund, Wilson. Yeah, that's it. Well, we're almost out. We're almost out of cast, so we kind of we cut the number of casts down recently. Okay. Kind of like well, we don't. So we don't need the money, but it'd be not, obviously right, extra well, money is always nice. But then you also have extra well, obligations. So. You right now, that is fucking. That's it. Reach for some cash. Uh, so yeah, Instagram Dornick Distillery, D O R N O C H Distillery, yeah. which okay. is probably well known to a lot of golfers. It's something True. like number two or number three in the world. Yeah, it's something crazy like that. So um, yeah, Dornick Distillery, Dornick Distillery on Facebook, uh, DornickDistillery.com, D O R N O C H Distillery. Dot com. You can come and check us out on that. Sweet. And uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. And you know, if you're ever coming up to our part of the world, yeah, I definitely. promise to take you up to the, around the distillery. But if anybody's there and they've listened to this, just give me a shout. That'd be awesome. Yeah. 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 And the, go to the bar as well. Go to the bar, drink some old, yeah. old whiskey. Yeah. That's what oh, I have had some friends yeah. go who uh, couldn't speak highly enough about it. Um, Wilson, uh, I don't know when this will actually. Oh. Jesus. All right. It's got a shit out of me. Cops come to shut us down. God. We've talked too long. Um, I don't know when it'll come out, but we've already kind of put our events on the last few podcasts. Yeah. So yeah, we're good. I mean, we're up to par so far. Cool. Um, yeah, I'll be slinging some cocktails later this afternoon at Grand Cachon. So, um, Grand Cachon. And, uh, in the future, you did missed out. Sorry to hear that. But, um, I have one thing to say yeah. for you guys. So what's, yeah. what's the name of the podcast? Keen Lake. Lake. Okay, yeah. so I've it's been in the back of my brain for a while, but I'd really love to run a whiskey podcast called yeah. Casking Couch. Okay. So, Casking all right. Couch. So you all guys right. might need to think about <laughs> switching the name around. Well, the couch is just right over there. <laughs> yeah, Wilson's got it. Oh, oh, I got man. it. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe controversial, but certainly be funny. So if you ever go into dude, YouTube, get on it, get that, get yeah. that solidified. Male guest only, absolutely. Get that trademark. That's get that trademark. Oh my god, I love That's it. Good. Well okay. done. Well, shit. Matt Brown your... should run that podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can turn up at the door. Is this your first? Time oh man, I love one it. Of, one of our friends who comes on the podcast a lot. He. It has the perfect uh, that he does have this creepy porn yeah. mustache for that. So mm. um, yeah, he'd be, 
Matt Brown, jump on that. Uh, but yeah, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Um, Wilson's at 312 Made. Um, check him out at Union Horse Distillery. That's the company he works for. Um, the, distillery, or the distillery he works for, he's ambassador for. I'm at, uh, I don't know what my Instagram is these days, but just find us at Key in the Lake, keenlake.com, and go drink some Star Wars whiskey because that's the company I rep for too. So just to be all transparent. If it's your first time listening to this podcast, um, we always don't have guests come over from Europe, but um, every once in a while we do. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Cheers. Have a good rest of your day. Cheers. Cheers.